What is the deal with fucking crisps these days? Crisps are better than they've ever been. It's like it's like uh, the golden age of TV. Syllogism. Syllogism. Is it syllogism? It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard. Syllogism. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Steadman, and I don't give a wet slap about anything else. I'm Danny Gothany Jean Smith. I'm John Barnes, and there is an answer, but I'll have to think about it. Mmm... We're barreling through the L section, so let's begin, logically, with the first item. This is a bit abstract, but I wanted to talk about logic as it appears in the Hitchhiker's universe. One of my favourite logic problems is the bulldozer gambit, um, in which Ford convinces Prosser that he must refrain from knocking Arthur's house down on the pretense, uh, or uh, the pretense, or the pretense that Arthur is still lying in the road. I wondered what some of your favourite logical puzzles were, or how you might have put any of uh, Adam's logic to use. Any takers in the Fit the first in the original radio series, which I listened to again the other day, because um, it was on uh, Radio Four Extra as a sort of tribute thing. Um, it's Arthur that does the persuading. No, you're absolutely right. I don't know why I said Ford. It is Arthur that does the persuading. No, but in but in other in other um, uh, incarnations, it's Ford. Yes, that's right. In the book, it's uh, in the book, it's Ford. Yes, I think you're right. And in the TV show, I think it's Ford as well. And in the film, it's Ford. Yes. Yeah. It's just an yeah, interesting uh, bit because it sits much better with, with much better with him. Yeah, it's it's more of a slightly sense of sort of twisted logic, the, the, yeah, the taking it as read. Um, you're absolutely right. And it gives Arthur a lot more agency than he typically has. But, um, okay, but uh, my favourite logic... Uh, it's not really, not a logic puzzle. Remember those logic puzzles actually, when they were just like, uh, in like a puzzle book where you get like a puzzler, uh, book and you might have some crosswords and dots, dots and logic puzzles are the ones where you've got, uh, like, um, a sort of cross hatched thing, a grid and you have to fill it. You know, I used to like those. Um, but I haven't done one for a long time. They should make them for adults with swears in or something. <laughs> but the, the thing, the thing is with them, like, is once you've figured out how to do it, doing it isn't that pleasurable. It's like Sudoku. It's like, oh fuck, that's that's all you do. Like you work out, like once the joy of finding out how to do something is over, you're just left with the process. And who likes going through a fucking process? Oh, I'm going to recreate by going through a process. The uh, so here's here's my favourite um uh, piece of logic. Um, you might I don't know if either of you uh, aware of it. Um, do you know about Zeno's paradox? I don't think so. So, uh, Zeno's paradox is that, um, say, you know that if you fire an arrow, it goes to the target, doesn't it, Dan? You, you can do that. Uh, at least if I fire one, it might not go to the target, but it goes somewhere. Um, so you know it takes a specific amount of time and you know it gets there. But if you say, okay, the target is, how far is it normally an archery target away, Dan? Uh, 50 yards, maybe. Okay, so if it was, um, so you know then that, uh, if it, by the time it went half as far, uh, it'd been 25 yards. And the time mm-hmm. it went a quarter as far, it was 12 and a half yards. And an eighth as far, it was six and a quarter. And so on and so forth. Mm. So, but what it is, because you can keep dividing that length, you can get smaller and smaller lengths. And in theory, 
which is possibly where it ties into hitchhikers, because in theory, you can divide that into an infinite number of spaces. And that's a really big number of spaces. Yes. And you must know that the arrow takes a certain amount of time to cross each space. So if you have an infinite number of spaces, it can never reach the target. Ah, yes. So the arrow will never, ever get there. And yet, we all saw it get there, and I scored uh, 10 points. (laughs) Hold on. But, uh, yeah, I I find that infinitely fascinating. Yes. It's of no use to anybody. No, but it's wonderful. That is a good example of a... Um, of a logic puzzle, uh, a philosophy puzzle, um, that you defeat using logic. Um, so, so it, it's kind of put out there as a intellectual exercise to kind of sharpen your logic and debating skills up. Um, nowadays, and I find a lot of Douglas Adams's stuff is very um, first-year philosophy student uh, <laughs> l- logic puzzles. Um, you know, not quite arguing on bad faith, but accepting bad premises because they're funny and they lead to the uh, reducio ad absurdum uh, outcome, mm-hmm. which which is yeah, it's funny. Like the the god exploding in a puff of logic is very sixth form, but I I I mm-hmm. still love that. Mm-hmm. I, um, because I think it is, it's not because it's it's defeating God. Uh, using logic, it's reducing. Uh, it's it's the thing. God using bad logic, <laughs> U- using a um, hypothetical syllogism. Syllogism is it? Yes. Syllogism. Syllogism. Yeah. yeah. Syllogism, but a, but a completely flawed one where you have to accept really bad premises. So um, I I mean I don't think Douglas Adams was a stranger to philosophy. I haven't read his autobiography. John has. But I don't think he was a complete stranger to philosophy because there's a lot of interesting philosophical things that come up in his work. So the eating the pig that has to be ate, mm. that, that's a really interesting philosophical problem. Oh, right? the, 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 the cow that's, the, um, that's yeah, bred yeah, yeah, to, be, yeah, the, to be eaten. Yeah. yeah. Um, all the AI stuff, all the, uh, all, yeah. all the stuff about artificial intelligence. That's that, that, and, and the, like, where, the herring sandwich experiment. And where it overlaps with, um, where it overlaps with uh, all that other stuff, where it overlaps with happiness, mm. that's interesting. So the toaster is inherently more happy than Marvin, which makes you think that that he's trying to draw attention to something about intelligence and something about um, self awareness um, and happiness. And there's also there's also like all the way through. There's like a really there's a there's a theme of what it is to be home what what does home mean to people can you be home can you be home on a fake home can you be home that you've never been to before that's exactly the same these are really interesting philosophical questions that he kind of sometimes he sidesteps them sometimes he tackles them sometimes he just puts them out there but i think it's i think it's great that somebody asks those questions with their work so John, did, did he have any philosophy, philosophy, philosophical, philosophy, 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 philosophy is not one. Philosophy. Um, did he have any philosophy background? As far as um, as far as I'm aware, he'd probably be able to pronounce it because he did English literature. But uh, the um, <laughs> I think which is a step up for most of us here. But uh, no, no, I mean not that I'm uh, not that I'm explicitly um, aware of. I just think it's. I th- I think that that sort of um, deeper philosophy comes from basically just 
being a, inventing this universe where you've got free reign to tackle anything essentially that you thought of. It'd be, it'd be very rare, wouldn't it, if um, Doug Adams had had a, a a thought or an idea that couldn't have been squeezed into the Hitchhiker's universe somewhere. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Imagine you, I don't know. Imagine you're, uh, I don't know, Dan Brown or something, and uh, you want to write a, something that isn't about a um, Jesus having a love child. Uh, and so I don't know what Dan Brown books are about. Sorry, yeah, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but if it was a, yeah, you, you a, pretty much know a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just been thinking again about uh, the uh, bulldozer gambit, and mm. I wonder if this is what um, makes. Uh, so Nigel Farage is normally on Question Time, so uh, we can all assume he's probably just said to the production team. Can I just, can you just all assume that I'm on every edition of Question Time? <laughs> so all the questions and the audience are racist, whether or not I am here. Uh, so, Schrodinger's uh, panellist. Yeah, yeah, we've got no idea if he's there, but he's lowered the tone of uh, the debate anyway. I once had the, the absolute uh, joy of seeing a quite an intimate lecture by uh, Tim Berners-Lee. Was he naked? He was not. But he he did talk, he did spend a long time talking about what happened when he was in the bath. Um so he's explaining the seman- <laughs> he was explaining the semantic web. Uh and then he was explaining it by saying, Oh, the web's all uh, the web is really like all the hairs tangled in the plug hole of your bath. It's a lot more interconnected than you you thought could have happened naturally. And they're just thinking and and every time I now see a Every time I clean the shower and clear a clump of hair, I go, oh, look, there's the internet. There's but, a bit of the internet. <laughs> but the, um, it's a marvellous way to relax. But the, but when you were, when I was next to uh, Tim Berners-Lee, this is his lecture, this deeply complicated um, concept seemed perfectly sensible and correct and right. And then as soon as I'd gone out the door, no absolute idea what the shit it was about. Never understood it again. As a man who who does um, improv comedy on stage now, uh, that works in, in, in the same thing. The jokes and the bits and the things that make sense and the references that, that track uh, in, in a 45-minute, you know, hour-long show, that stops the minute the, the people walk off stage like nothing then makes sense you can't find the root of why something was funny uh yeah it's completely ephemeral and all tangled together and hairy exactly uh and now to the zoo in mostly harmless forward prefect uh, attempts to buy london zoo with his dino charge card along with some chef's salads and charge it to his room in the uh langham danny as our forward correspondent why does he want to buy london zoo right Okay, are you serious? Sure. As in, do you want the real answer? <laughs> no, 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 I'm like, why Why the fuck wouldn't you want to own a zoo? <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly good question, yeah. That's a really weird question. Oh, why did he try and buy a zoo? Oh, why did... <laughs> Why did you try and get fellated? Why Why did he... Why did he drink so many drinks? Because... Because it's fucking awesome. Okay. Like, I... I, I, I why I'm would sorry you not? to have exasperated you so. <laughs> would you would you not want to own a zoo? Well 
You got a zoo. You could do what you want. Fucking a zoo. You just fucking run around doing what you want. I mean, that's the thing. I was going to say, I'd like to own a zoo. I wouldn't like to be in charge of mucking out a zoo. That's so it. There's a difference between owning and running slash managing a I zoo. Don't think, I don't think the owners of a zoo do much mucking out. I don't. I don't think Lord Longley is there with a shovel with the elephant, elephant shit. Like I think. Right. Okay. So I made a small list of things that I would do just off the top of my head if I owned a zoo. Okay. Right. Number one, cuddling. Right. Obviously, mm-hmm. who doesn't want to cuddle every single fucking animal in a zoo? Right. If you own a zoo. They have to let you. Yeah, but the animals get to consent, surely. The animals have to let you. I own you! Okay. You animal <laughs> Weinstein. Mm, yeah. Right, <laughs> right, you're not going to like the second one then. <laughs> Hashtag animals too, okay. Um, animal fights? <laughs> well, like a bear versus a chicken? Like, uh, a, like a zebra with like turtle armour, right? Versus a, <laughs> like a lizard army with all knives strapped to each one. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'd want to see that. Who <laughs> wouldn't? Um, the, the third reason to own a zoo, it's a sound business investment. I mean, let's face it, central London gets a, a hell of a lot of tourists. And it's that numbers that never got really going to go down. The last one, maybe sexy things. Oh, God. Now, I'm not, I'm not, down, I'm not down for non-consensual animal sex. Right? Mm-hmm. But he's an alien. Maybe he can speak moose. Like, maybe he wants to lay his eggs in the chest of one. Like, I don't. Well, mind you, I mean, he's got he's got the little babel fish. Yeah. So, the, it, technically, the animals can consent. If animals could consent, what animal would you have sex with, Mark? Oh, what a great question, John. Um, how are you doing over there? <laughs> I just need I just need someone to cover for me for a bit while I think of an answer. John, same question. Bugs Bunny when he's got a dress on. Obviously. That doesn't count. Like, seriously, what animal? Uh, a horse. <laughs> Taking or receiving? Oh, I'm a giver. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm a giving person. There, there is a wonderful documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix called Zoo. And it's about a zoophile that died from being um, sexed by a horse. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's eye-opening. I would imagine. Oh, is that where he's stuck in? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would hurt. It's a smart bit that. So, the, so the real reason, of course, that Ford wants to buy London Zoo is none of those, none of the above, isn't it? Because he what? wants to. He he buys London Zoo, sets up trusts to uh, release all the animals safely back into captivity, breeding programs, and all that. Apart from the geese, because uh, geese, he doesn't like geese. Fuck them. Yeah, because fuck them, yeah. Which reminds me of the world's best joke. Oh, please. Oh, this is the world's best joke. So I was talking to a man the other day, and uh, he, I was talking to him, and he said, uh, what do you do uh, for what do you do for relaxation? What's your hobbies like? And I said, well, I don't know about you, I keep bees. And he says, that's amazing, I keep bees as well. And he says, how many bees have you? He says, I've got about a million bees in all my hives. I love it. I make loads of honey, and you get all the beekeeping outfit and the smoke and everything everybody loves my honey it's brilliant how many bees have you got and I said I've got about two million bees and he says uh, well, you know, where's, what do you do with them where do you, where do you keep them he says well, I keep them in a shoebox under my bed and he says a shoebox under your bed a million bees isn't that cruel and I says yeah fuck them are there any bees Um, Danny, um, before we move on to the next topic, um, do you want to tell us about a dream you had? 
Right. Okay. I don't know what the dream was. Um, okay. So what was the dream? Uh, tell me my dreams. No, uh, I, I woke up um, sometime last week with a singular thought and like a, a really, you ever woken up with like a singular, like really clear something you've plucked from dream world that has no context mm-hmm. and it's just like that's in your head now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and the reason why I wanted to bring it up here is because it sounded really Adamsy. Okay. So I woke up with the thought... Plants hate the colour green, right? Now, this is Adamsy, because when you think about it, this is really true. Go on. I didn't wake up thinking, oh, that's true. I woke up thinking, what a weird thought. And then on the bus mm-hmm. on the way to work, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, no, that's actually true. Um, green, okay. is the only co- uh, green is the only colour they can't photosynthesise, so um, they uh, bounce it back out, and that's why everything, all plants are green. Wow. Yeah. I love that fact. So... Where did I get that from? Is it in any of the books? Is it anything that Adam's been um, that, that has been influenced by Adams? I, I can't have just thought that in my works. Logically worked that out, came up with that phrase, then lost all the workings out and be left <laughs> with that phrase, and then had to backwards engineer it. It must be from something. So, listeners, where have I got that? Do you recognise it? Is it from a film, a song? A particular niche song, admittedly, but is it, it where? Where is it from? It's the um, new Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I, seriously, like I am intensely curious about why that would uh, be in my head at all. Um, and if you put it there, t- uh, let us know. And now to a thing that lent its name to another of Adams's fictional universes. Now it just so happens we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, and. We're staring, staving off that terrible listlessness which starts to set in at about 2.55 when you know that you've had all the baths you can usefully have that day. That however hard you stare at any given paragraph in the paper, you will never actually read it. And that as you stare at the clock, the hands will move relentlessly on to four o'clock and you will enter the long, dark tea time of the soul. John, what are your remedies for counteracting this phenomenon? It's impossible. To kind yeah. of like this phenomenon. This is not really about Sundays. This is about waiting. So, um, if you've ever been in a pub, uh, in a seaside town where the pub is, uh, near where the coach departs or a pub near a, a train station, uh, mm-hmm. where people have, um, they've checked out of their hotels. They've got their suitcases. They are, um, they can't do anything. They've got suitcases. So they can't go anywhere. Uh, they can't get hammered because they've got to carry their suitcases and get off, uh, maybe drive the other end of their journey. So they're just waiting, waiting, and there's the stench of gravy and uh, and bits of salt. But luckily, um, in in the years ago, every Sunday afternoon in the UK, uh, in the late seventies, every Sunday afternoon in the UK was exactly like this for. Absolutely everybody, because mm-hmm. there was nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing was open, the pubs were shut, the shops were shut, the bus services were slow, the rain was pouring down, there was heavy gravy everywhere, and this is why, of course, you two uh, wrote the song Sunday Bloody Sunday because it's of just, it's, uh, <laughs> it just it, before uh, commerce uh, reared its head, uh, there was just nothing to do, and it's still as bad in Ireland, apparently. Yeah, no, no other reason there, John. 
The, the, what, why? What other reason would there be? I can't think of one, but yeah, right. <laughs> can, can I just point out that this actually happened? There was a period in time where pubs closed on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I know. I lived. I used to live there. I know. Yeah, but, but people listening, like, would, would probably be shocked and stunned to find out that for some reason pubs just went mm, for three or four hours. No, on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, why? Because God. That's why. Because God. And you just had to kind of wander off and eat family uh, a Sunday dinner with your tea uh, with your family. And there was gravy everywhere. Ugh. Ugh. Horrible business. So much gravy. So little time. But yeah, it's, um, I love the phrase long dark team. The soul, uh, it, it captures a certain uh, ennui. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Um, I, I still hate Sundays. They are still shit. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know whether it's because the Monday's around the corner waiting for you, but like, but or just the fact that still not a lot of things open. Some things are open, but not a lot of things. Like twenty four hour. Oh right, fuck Tesco's right okay. because I used to live in a place called Jury Quarter and they had a big twenty four hour Tesco's right, and then they had the opening times underneath. If you're really at 24-hour <laughs> Tesco's, you shouldn't need fucking opening times. Like, 24 hours. Why do they have doors? Is... <laughs> <laughs> I used to boil my piss every, to- every time we walked past it. And my partner, Carolyn, would be, she'd be like, like, just let it go. Just let it go. Like, they're, they're 24 hours sometimes. It's like, it's not sometimes 24-hour Tesco's. That says 24-hour Tesco's. I'm with you because I've been, you know, it's been re- 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 uh, worrying me recently. In Gremlins, when you can't feed the Gremlins after midnight, it's always after midnight. Midnight, midnight till when? State your terms. I'm reckoning because, right, I've thought about this. I'm reckoning because they're somehow affected by light that it's until next sunrise. It, but it should be. I mean, the old Chinese man should have really have said this. Otherwise, no wonder there's been a problem. Yeah, there'll be a, sta- a, a spate of starving Gremlins. Careless husbandry. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's like just kids logic it's not next day until you wake up again ah uh, yes i still yeah i still have a bit of that trick uh and now to the ancestors of some important political pundits Lunquil and Funk are the 75,000th generation descendants of Lunquil and Funk, the original programmers of Deep Thought. We've never really explored the incalculable amount of time it took for Deep Thought to calculate his answer. So, Danny, don't you think it's a marvel that 75,000 generations of programmers have shared their progenitors' passions for the answer? Or could there be something more sinister underneath, given that they were, quote-unquote, chosen at birth for the task? Right, there's nothing sinister about it. Have you ever been in the world at the moment? <laughs> like, especially like maybe two years ago. It's, it's it's tapered off somewhat now, but it's fucking. It's like uh, code. Everybody, everybody should code. Like, what are you doing? Not coding. Look at you sitting there coding. Oh, at the doctors, you're like, oh, you get migraines. Maybe you should code. Minorities should code. Women should code. Babies should code. Rats should code. What are you doing? Not coding. Ah. Here's a group. Here's here's some money. Everybody should code. And there's me thinking it was just like the uh, it was just a media elite class thing, like the Dimblebees. The only people who could uh, present political TV programs have got to be. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, there is such a push for everybody to code, especially yeah, in education. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um. So yeah, like maybe they just lived in a world that's very similar to ours that was <laughs> leading people to code. Do, do you think everybody should code? I. I don't 
really, I, I mean, I grok a bit of HTML now and again, but I don't code. Now that's scripting. Um, well, it's markup. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> Code snob, code snob, Mark. Not code snob. I'm just, just the words mean what they mean. That's all. <laughs> okay, well, let's break down the word fucking code, shall we? Code means something that stands for something else. HTML markup is a thing that stands for something else. Therefore, it's code. Oh Shut no, it's your code. Mouth. You no, code no, snob. No, 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 John, uh, Danny. I was correcting John. I wasn't correcting you. <laughs> oh right, okay. It's uh, it's I- code. It's not script. I retract everything that I just said <laughs> <laughs> and regret saying it forcefully. <laughs> now we could get really esoteric and we can, we can ask, is Markdown code? Uh, tweet us at um, BTL Podcast. Um, I don't care, nerd. But, uh, <laughs> uh, while we're here, um, and since we are slaves to the alphabet, Loonquill and Fook are deep thoughts. Uh, original programmers. The Hitchhiker's fan wiki has it that Fook is a potential bastardization of fuck. And Bounder, as um, our resident Adams authority, I defer to you. There is absolutely not a chance uh, that Fook uh, is meant to be uh, a bastardization of fuck in this context. What do you think uh, Douglas was hanging around with Noel Gallagher? Um, <laughs> it's, what uh, the Fook? It's in almost Un, un, it's uh, unfathomably unlikely that uh, the uh, sort of Islington uh, and Cambridge uh, media set knew lots of people with strong northern accents. Um, it just doesn't. It just doesn't follow at all. Um, there are plenty of rude words in. I was trying the other day to work backwards to try and work out what Slarty Bartfast might have been before it was sort of transliterated. <laughs> but um, no, I just think it's a. Oh, it's just. It's just, it's just, it's a nonsense gibberish space name, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's rather nice though, isn't it? I like Lunquil and Fook. The two things go together quite well, I think, because Lunquil has, um, I don't know, the, the 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 quill at the end gives it a, gives it an air, and then Fook just takes the air out of those tires. It sounds like an artisan brand of crisps these days <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh we're gonna get some patented john um observational comedy no no oh, crisps, crisps. <laughs> although if you want me to say something about it, the oh please t- what tell us the, what they're what all about the, what is the deal with fucking crisps these days because they are all shit um they just they're too hard oh crisps are better crisps are better than they've ever been it's like it's like uh the golden age of tv discos are still nice and what's it's a nice and space uh, raiders not um, crisps but you know in, uh, adjacent yeah and then and like plain walkers crisps and smith's crisps particularly smith crisps when they've gone off plain walkers off a little crisps. Bit. could you be any more white i was gonna no, say could you like, be any more no, of a communist I, I only like salt and vinegar actually but uh <laughs> But um, no, the posh crisps. I always when I go to the bar and mm. want some crisps, I don't say, "Have you got any crisps?" I say, "Do you have normal crisps or do you have the <laughs> stupid posh crisps?" Kettle kettle chips, Ke- yeah, the oh. ones that have got the. You can tell that they they don't have a lot of money to make the bags because they're all sort of screen printed with one color and often have just got some man's face on the they packet. Taste like at you. the shit that comes out of your kettle. Uh, when you have, when you descale it, that's what they taste like. Horrible. Uh, and now I think I shall go mad. Would it save you the trouble if I just? 
gave up and went mad now, says Arthur in the original first episode of the radio series. Later on, he would decide to go mad after spending five years alone in a cave in Islington. But madness and sanity are themes that run through the series. Danny, given that mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the midday sun, um, as, as Noel Coward once says, does, um, does any of this help your theory that Adams is using the series to explain Englishness to the rest of the world? Um, kind of. I mean, I don't think you can explain Englishness without a peculiar uh, relationship to um, oddness, to eccentricity, um, as we call madness when you have money. Um, yes. uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I mean, I'm somewhat uncomfortable uh, with um, a lot of the portrayal of madness in the books. It kind of downplays a lot of very serious issues and turns them into um i mean time appropriate like that this is how they were, were treated um yeah we don't have madness bit- now and we haven't had the, the uh, i think a, a fairly a concept of madness for the last sort of 15 years we we understand that there are gradations to mental health um and um, that it's not necessarily funny sugs sugs is touring yeah, yeah absolutely including uh including and i will probably talk about it in the next episode maybe if my um if my alphabet maths is correct um about uh marvin's massive misdiagnosis constantly um but yeah like the 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 way they approach madness uh, is somewhat somewhat someone that, uh, that's never had to deal with mental health issues or never never knowingly had to deal with mental that, health issues yes that's the key knowingly because i'm sure um being as being being the man he was i can't imagine that he was completely um okay with his mental health and you know and and whatever but yeah, but not knowingly. I, I, I completely take your meaning. But yeah, I, I think I, I think that it does explain our relationship to madness quite, uh, quite succinctly. Like as, as as English people, we do see that as, um, especially if you're rich, as an option. It's like, well, maybe I'll be mad for a couple of years and then and then think about it later. Like uh, we do, we we do have this almost pride. Like for years, uh, especially during the late early nineties. Oh, I'm mad, me. I'm mad. Ooh, me. I'm mad. I am. Um, are you? Are you? What's? What? Are, are you okay? Oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm mad. I once drank two WKDs. Like we, uh, yeah, we have a strange relationship to madness and eccentricity. Uh, we've got speakers corner. We've we 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 indulge those that are different around us to the point where we're kind of proud of them. And that is a very English trait. And finally, we pick a cold night to visit a dead planet. Magrathea is a planet in the Horsehead Nebula, now famed for building other planets. It was deemed a pre-enlightenment myth, but it's true. And, spoiler alert, they're the ones what built the Earth. John, given that we started with logic, how can a planet like this logically exist? Does it have to be bigger than every other planet, or does their weird hypertractive space thing get them around that particular issue? It's, it's, it is a tricky one, isn't it? So, in the TV series, at least, we are expected to believe that Slides Apart First takes uh, Arthur in his... Uh, um, Little air uh, car, whatever it is, yeah, air car down into the planet, into the bowels of the planet where mm-hmm. the earth would be being made. Um, so it doesn't, so that the planet being bigger than every other planet, which is 
not easy, but feasible, logically, could happen. Unlikely, but feasible, yeah, sure. Yeah. But how do they get the fuckers out? It's like... <laughs> It's like I'd never even consider like, that problem. It's like building a car inside your front room. You can do it, <laughs> but that's 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 where the problem really begins. Yeah, although unless it's, unless it's a little bit like giving birth and uh, uteruses oh, and, thing, and all that sort of area, but we don't really need to stray that way. So I think there's got to be something else going on. There's something else going on with pan and interdimensionality and some other complicated SpaceX explanation that we that we can't get to the, the yeah well douglas hand waves it away um and and he, he has uh, in their air car they they enter into a vast a vast tract of hyperspace uh and that's it and this we sort of you know it, that's basically okay <laughs> it is interesting but the um i think that there's lots of other weird logical things in it so the there are there's an interesting sense in which I suppose actually um it is uh Anglo sphere centric, first world centric, that the <laughs> that the globe has a way up. Uh there's a way up and that's the, the bit that is and, and and that's that's quite uh fascinating. The um but the big thing about Magrathea for me is that they are absolute bastards in terms of them caring about the the galactic economy i thought this might be something you might pick up on well it was uh, they yeah so the the concept is they used to design planets and then there was a, a sort of galactic stock market crash and then um the, no one was rich enough so it's just after 2008 and no one was rich enough <laughs> to buy to buy any planets anymore so they just shut down the planet, uh, set up the nuclear missiles and link their life support systems to the stock market. Um, it would have served them right if we'd had a bloody revolution and the stock market was abolished. And they'd they would have been first against the when that revolution came. Permanent. They would have been, yeah, first against the hyper... Uh, hyper the the vast tract of hyperspace. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just... Uh, but, so uh, so we, 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 there is this not without consequence, the uh, idea that someone can, uh, can make a planet. It's, um, there, and it does not seem, because they will cater for anybody's tastes, they're not proud. Uh, it does not seem that they're really worried. They wouldn't be bothered about, um, digging down seven stories underneath a, a mansion in London for the, the oligarchs to have a swimming pool and leaving <laughs> the diggers down there just to confuse future archaeologists because it's cheaper than getting them out again. Yeah, maybe maybe they were they, maybe they weren't too big to fail and uh, <laughs> and they, they did. Uh, and then someone came along with a buyout and said uh, just just in the in the same way that so many establishments um small banks and things like that uh, have uh, have crumpled in in this country they get replaced by a trendy wine bar there's probably um the, what you've got what you've got to accept is somewhere in the universe is a a new fresh startup planet manufacturing company they're trying to disrupt <gasps> the planet manufacturing yes. uh, business in some way i don't know how they do it maybe they uh maybe they get lots of uh people who don't really work for them in some way but are actually working for them but don't work for them for tax purposes yeah so, but it'd be, it's, it's great exposure for them john 
Well, it, it is, particularly if um, it's one of those plants where it's nice and warm. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, how do how do you get into the planet building game? Oh, it's so, it's so hard these days. Um, you young, know, man's, it's, young, it's, man's, young man's it is game, a young man's young, game. <laughs> apart from slightly bad. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thirty years, man and boy, can't do it now. And that is about it. Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you uh, if you would care to do so, it would be very nice if you would leave us a uh, rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it makes a difference. Um, so uh, go and go and do that. You, there's a link in the show notes. Just go on, pop us a little review. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, you can uh, follow us all on 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 Twitter. There, that that social media which I hear so much about. You can follow John uh, at Bounder. You can follow Danny at Probably Drunk. And uh, you can follow me at I am Stedman. We will see you next week. But until then, share and enjoy. And that is a very English trait. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know how to say end this now. Yeah, well, this so I will say that's good enough. I will say end this now. <laughs> Anything to add, Mark? No, no. Uh, it was more that I accidentally closed the window with a script on.